0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 15 of dad college. My name's Dave and I'm here with my good buddy, buddy. That sounded weird. Buddy old pal. I'm here with my good friend, Cam. Cam, how are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? You know, um, it's been a little while since we've recorded, so it's good to be uh, back here doing this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been like two weeks and you know. Stuff happens, life, yeah. work schedules, and yes. the like, but we are back, and uh, it's good to be inside these concrete walls. So beautiful, isn't it? Mm. Perfect shade of gray. Yes.
0: Of all the 50 shades, you chose the correct one. <laughs> I think there's more than 50, but...
1: Uh, well, yeah, but that would ruin the joke, now, wouldn't it? It would ruin the hey, joke, Hey, and our sorry. artwork is gray, too. Mm. Mm. Gray and purple, much like your K-State Wildcats hoodie.
0: This is true as well, Yes. So, yes, here we are, episode 15, Dad College.
1: Yeah, what are we talking about this time?
0: So, I've been thinking a lot about the stuff that's going on in the world these days. And if you got little ones at home who are paying attention to any of that, or for that matter, conversations that happen at school, um, school violence in particular has kind of been on the forefront of the news. And well, I work at a police station and we are getting absolutely inundated uh, with requests for active shooter training and wanting, uh, so the local hospital has asked us to come out a small college in our community has asked us to come out. Multiple businesses have asked us to come out. And a local school in the local school district has asked us to do training on such events. Um, I have a 17 year old daughter who lives at home. And clearly, one of the things that is on the forefront of the mind of school aged children right now is uh, school violence. But as I've been thinking about that, I think there's kind of this broader topic of, How do you have difficult conversations with your children? How do you deal with difficult news, difficult topics, um, whether that be school violence or the issue of death, dying? Um, You know, whatever it may be for your particular child, how do you have those? How do you deal with that? How do you deal with bad things happening? in the world um i've put an older daughter through high school and current daughter is in high school and unfortunately in the small town that we live in there's been a number of deaths um particularly people that my, my kids have known my kids have been friends with so there's already been i think 3 this school year um one that was an accident and two possible suicides.
1: Well, one for sure. Right.
0: And then, and then one was maybe a health related issue type thing. So, um, it's a sensitive topic. It's, 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 so as a parent, you're going to have to navigate this one way or another because your kids are going to see things on TV. They're going to hear. So I, I would probably put those as the two main influences for your kids they're going to see stuff on TV and they're going to hear things from their friends. And I, I, I guess I wholeheartedly believe as a parent, you have a responsibility to help your child navigate the things that they hear from um, their classmates, things that they hear, or see on TV.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously I have yet to, uh, as a dad, navigate this with a child, you know, Mm -hmm. Kennedy's a, a whole 15 months old right now. (laughs) Uh, she is still, um, naive to the realities of the world we live in. Um, you know, right now her, her biggest issues are the dog stepping on her feet or me not (laughs) letting her climb on the fireplace mantle. Um, you know, and that's really, really upsetting to her. We
0: are very mean that way. Well, you
1: know, heaven forbid me trying to prevent her from landing on her skull, you know, Um, but in my thinking through how I want to prepare her and, you know, any other kids we may have for life, you know, the things that I come down to are. I don't want my kids to ever say when they're older, well, that's not fair. Like I want them to have a firm understanding that fairness has nothing to do with anything. That's true. Uh, but I also want them to understand that not, not to, to scare them or to cause them to be jaded, that bad things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. And we need to be vigilant to ensure that, we take the necessary steps to ensure that they happen less. Um, and that's a safety thing. That's a who you hang out with thing. That's a where you go thing. Um, but I want my kids to understand that, like, while I think people in general are good and kind and well intentioned, there is a portion of the population that is not. Right. And especially as a young woman, you. Can and will be a target unfortunately, because of just creepy dudes mm-hmm. and even if that's just something as you know uh simple as a dude at a bar or a club or a party trying to go too far, like you need to be aware that that is a very real potential situation you're gonna be in, and so I haven't had to have those conversations. Uh, with, uh, I mean, like I said, she's still in diapers. So like I've got a long time, but, but in thinking ahead to how I want my kids to, to perceive the world from a young age is I want them to know that mommy and daddy love you very much and friends and family do too, but you need to have a, a, an understanding of the world that bad things can and will happen and you need to be prepared um, for that eventuality, not again, not to scare them, not to, you know, lord it over them to be in control, but like, so that they can put themselves in better situations or if they're in a bad situation, know how to handle themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's a, you know, something like a mass shooting or just, uh, another person who's trying to take advantage of them, uh, maybe not even physically, but like financially or emotionally. Uh, and I don't know how to navigate that, that conversation that day to day. Cause I haven't been there yet, but in theory, that's where I'm at is sure. making sure that my kids are as aware as possible of what the world is actually like. Yeah. So that when they get to high school and college and the workforce, they have at least a proper understanding of how to filter and, um, navigate the chaos.
0: Mm-hmm. Were you, so I'm shifting here a little bit. Um, Were you in high school when September 11th happened? Yeah, I was a sophomore
1: and it happened when I was in first hour and we heard just kind of mumblings in the hallways after first hour, AP, uh, junior year, no, sophomore year would have been biology because it was 2001, right? Yep. Yeah. So, so it was first hour biology. And then my second class was French. And she had it on the TV and we watched
0: the second plane hit the tower live on the TV. So I'm venturing to guess that that's probably a fairly memorable event for you as a child.
1: Oh yeah. That's like one of like, that's like one of five memories I have from all of high school.
0: Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> like everything
1: else is just a blur. Like I have bits and pieces, but that's like the entire event I remember. And my we didn't, do a single thing the rest of the day of it just kind of like talk about it. Or, I mean, there, we had, we had like anytime you needed to go see a counselor for like the next two or three weeks, free pass, like kids stayed home from school. Mm-hmm. Like we were, we were given a very, very wide berth to, uh, do what was needed to help us process because, you know, nothing like that had ever happened. Mm-hmm. Here at least, you know, nothing that tried, there's been plenty of tragedies in the history of the world that have taken more life, but nothing like that had happened here uh, before. And so everyone was in uncharted waters with how does a 14, 15, 16 year old, 18 year old handle watching an airplane fly into a building and murder hundreds of people. Um, So yeah, I mean, definitely I will remember that for the rest of my life.
0: So I was, I was 30 when that happened. And my oldest daughter was four, almost five. And then Livia was my younger daughter was, um, was about three months away from being one. And Caroline was just, it. so this is, I guess, kind of, as we talk about the how do you deal with difficult topics? How do you deal with bad news? How do you deal with violence in your kids? The first thing I would just say is ask them what they know. I would say, what have you heard? What do you know? And then going to be very kind of um, psychobabble ish, psychobabble, psychobabble, going to rely on. Psychology here a little bit, and a little bit of the touchy feely of so what do you know, and how does it make you feel? Mm -hmm. Because I think those are kind of the two most important things to ask your child who is dealing with difficult information. And so remember asking Caroline, What do you know? And Caroline said, Well, some bad men flew an airplane into a building. And then kind of the, Do you know, anything else? No. And so, you know, I knew that at that, you know, even in the earliest stages that thousands of people had died and that this was in a terrorist attack on America. And, you know, I mean, just all the things that went with that. And so to ask Caroline, so what does that mean for you? You know, like, like, or I'm sorry, how does that make you feel? You know, it was a very simplistic answer of just, you know, it makes me sad that somebody would crash an airplane into a building. And so um, I guess my, my first piece of advice or my first kind of just perspective on this is allow your child to do a lot more talking than you do. Mm-hmm. And don't be in any hurry to provide a ton of answers or explanation, because if you think back on how you viewed the world as a child, it was far more simplistic than the way you view the world now. And so avoid that temptation, avoid that kind of um, bent to um, force your worldview on your, and I don't even mean to force it, but. Your, your, your child is probably truly going to see this as bad men flew airplanes into building and they shouldn't have done that. They don't comprehend thousands of people dying. They don't comprehend that as a terrorist attack. And, um, there was sort of this refreshing piece for me of my daughter, just being able to say bad people did something bad and they shouldn't have done it. And I didn't really go real far down the line with her, but I do sort of remember like she isn't even making an association of, I don't want to fly. I don't want to be in a big building. I don't want it, to, it was truly kind of outside of her, you know, um, her worldview and what she was processing.
1: Yeah. I mean, at that age, she doesn't, know what death is she doesn't understand you know the the consequences or the uh the upheaval that such
0: an event would and could incur Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean that's and so truly i um this is going to be one of the few times where i go uh with with the things that we talk about on the podcast of if you get anything this is this is truly what i think it boils down to Ask your child what they know and ask them how they feel about it, because that is going to give you the gauge of where you need to respond. Because Caroline is a is a pre-kindergartner, and you, as somebody in high school, we're probably processing that information very, very differently. Um, Do you recall how you felt about um, the attacks on nine eleven? Um, I remember just being really.
1: Um, shocked because like, I mean, even as a, what it was September 11th two thousand. that. So I it was four days before my birthday. I was 14. I was about to turn 15 and uh, I've got, I've got nothing to reference that against. So even, even, you know, as a teenager, I've got nothing to compare that to. Hmm. Um, so I, I remember, uh, I remember watching the news and seeing the first tower and the smoke and just the chaos and like the, the sound of the reporter's voices, just like everyone was just hysterical. And then everything heightened when the second plane and oh, then, yeah. and everyone was like, oh my no. and then you see the second plane hit and you're just like, what the hell is going on? Mm hmm. Like, what is happening? And then you hear about the one that, you know, hit the Pentagon. Um, And yeah, I just remember being really confused and really shocked. Like, is this really happening? Why is it happening? Who, like, because back then I wasn't into world politics. I didn't know wh- what any of this was. Like, I knew the name Saddam Hussein, and I knew that, you know, apparently Iraq had WMDs, which... Turns out they didn't, but, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I was too busy, like trying to figure out how to fit in and get a Mm -hmm. girlfriend and, you know, learn guitar and, you know, that sort of stuff I was. Yeah. So this was a, an absolute, I just remember being really shocked when it happened and I don't really remember the fallout very much. I remember the actual day, Mm -hmm. um, and just being super, super confused, but I don't remember how I processed it. I don't remember really anything else much from that year of high school. Uh, Yeah. Other than that, it was a pretty standard year of school. So there's no real memories (laughs) that stand out, but yeah, I mean, for whatever, you know, worth that answer was, that's, I mean, yeah,
0: I remember the, I don't remember the fallout really. Yeah. And so, you know, as an adult, I remember kind of, um, again, being confused it had never happened before was this going to continue was it you know it, it really did was kind of a game changer um i asked my 81 year old grandpa what he did after pearl harbor and he said oh
1: that's a really good
0: and he said i went down and enlisted the next day how old would he have been then when pearl harbor happened he would have been 21 oh, i was 31 <laughs> 30, almost 31. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to enlist the next day. Um, that's a really, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's a really good comparison. I asked my grandpa what he did with Pearl Harbor. And he said, I went and enlisted the next day. And I was like, Hmm, yeah, no, but I did end up being a police officer and nine 11 played a big part in that. But interesting. Not exactly the same. So
1: no, but I mean the same idea of serving and protecting just in a different role.
0: Yeah. So My current child that is dealing with a lot of school violence here recently um, probably could do a better job of asking her where she's at and how she's processing everything. It's probably closer to what you are in terms of being in high school and dealing with what's going on and has articulated that she does not feel safe going to school. And really kind of want somebody to make her safe. And much to what you were talking to is, is the conversation has had to be with her of nobody can make you safe. And, you know, I don't want to get into a, a gun control debate or any of this stuff because truly the most dangerous thing she does every day is get behind the wheel of her car. Yeah. And go off to somebody as, as we speak right now, she is out with friends in the small town in Kansas where we live. And I can genuinely say before you, there is some angst in me until she gets home tonight. And so it's, it's very much this large scale sort of national news of the school of violence. But the reality is the most dangerous thing she'll do is drive a car.
1: Yeah. And that, well, especially in this town, there is unfortunately a history of car related yeah deaths with teenagers or younger children
0: mm-hmm. um, at least three that I can think of in the recent history
1: yeah'm a month to the day after I moved here, one of my youth group students died in a car yeah. crash, and that kind of started the whole at least as I as far as I know the the trend is a strong word, the occurrence of you know, not long after that, a young child got run over by a car uh, earlier this year. A student died on the way to school mm-hmm. uh, and a little sister in the back survived, which is mm-hmm. yeah. just traumatic. That girl's her life is forever altered in the the worst way. Uh, yeah, it's every time I'm sure Meredith gets sick of it. But every time she calls me and the way home from work, the last thing I say is drive safe. every conversation and it's not that I'm worried about her. It's, I'm worried about other people. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, and the whole, the thing that breaks my heart about the school violence the most is, and there's a lot that does because it's just, it's so it's ridiculous. And I I just like, (laughs) I'm almost happy the kid in Florida survived so that he can, Hopefully, and there's talk about giving him the death penalty. I want that kid to sit in jail for the rest of his life, ponder about what he did and why he did it, mm-hmm. and eventually come to the realization that, and I don't he may never, he may just always think, "What well, I did it and I'm a badass and, you know, screw you guys. But to me, the, the thought of sitting in prison for the rest of his life, con- like, you know, contemplating what he did and then hopefully coming to the realization that he's a monster and murdered teenagers and some adults. Like, I don't know, but all of that to say, yeah, the day, I think that's a very big day in the life of a person when they realize that they're not safe and there's never a guarantee of safety. Like that is a huge shift in how you perceive life and, uh, kind of what it means to, you know, so, and maybe that's what Olivia is going through is the, cause you have this false sense of security as a kid that everything's going to be okay. Mommy and daddy are always going to make it right. But when you realize as a teenager that things can go sideways, totally out of your control and it may not be till you're older that you realize that and depending on, on, you know, circumstances in your life, like I, I didn't go to a funeral until I was in my twenties. mm mm-hmm i never experienced death. You know, we had kids in my high school that died. I didn't know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the first time personally it happened, it was like very altering as it should be. Um, but anyways, yeah, uh, I'm rambling again, but yeah, the fact that Olivia has had that conversation, like her, her worldview has changed now mm-hmm. because she's realized she can do everything right. And something bad can still mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. And that alters you. I mean, that, that can have a deep effect on, on how you, um, you know, perceive the world of what's important and
0: all that stuff. Yeah. So one of the first things that I've mentioned was ask your kids what they know and then how are they feeling? Because I think you really need to kind of come from that, that perspective with them, uh, not put your own feelings, your own, kind of a spin on the story, your adult perspective on it, but hear them and know that bad men flying, you know, planes into a building is an okay place for your kid to be. But I think the second piece that I would say is, is to help your kids label their emotions. Because while you need to know what your kids know and how does it make them feel, and again, this is this is going to be developmentally over many, many, many years. But what's the difference between mad and angry? What's the difference between being angry and scared or afraid? That's interesting. Because, because that's one of the things i I'm not going to say we don't do well, but I think we just assume that our children in particular understand happy and sad. Mad, angry, scared, and I think the reality is 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 we don't. Yeah, particularly when we're young, particularly you know, um, early elementary age, and and for that matter, it, it, it may be a teenager. And so I think it's kind of that helping our kids identify, um, how they are feeling.
1: That's really good,
0: and learning what the difference is between. The, the different things. And this is one of the things that for me personally. So, so I say I'm, I'm, I'm talking about kids and I'm talking about children. I'm talking about early elementary. Um, I became a police officer later in life and I became a crisis negotiator even later in life. And one of the things that we do when we're negotiating with somebody, we, is we use a set of skills that we call active listening. And one of the things that you do in active listening is you, label emotion. And so when somebody's doing a certain thing you can say, you know, I hear you saying x y and z and x y and z believe leads me to believe that you're angry at the world. And so when I emotional label, I'm kind of throwing it out there. I don't have to be right because I can say it seems to me that you're angry at the world. And now the person that I'm talking to on the phone may go, "Yeah, I'm angry at the world." Why wouldn't, why wouldn't I be at the angry at the world? Or they may go, no, I'm not angry. I'm scared to death. I'm absolutely frightened at what may happen to me. I'm frightened of what may happen to my kids. I'm frightened of what, and if you think about emotions and the way we respond to things, I've discovered that there's this this thin line. There's a very, there's not a lot of difference between being angry and being afraid often being afraid manifests itself as anger. Our fear manifests itself in a lot of different ways.
1: Yeah. I've heard anger is a secondary emotion. If that's the correct label, like there's always something underneath the anger. The anger is used to as like a defense mechanism that covers up the true emotion behind it. And usually it's fear or something like that.
0: Yep. And so I think it's useful to help our kids say, um, easier said than done, especially when you're in the moment, but when your child is, is expressing happiness, um, or even joy, helping them to distinguish what's the difference between being happy and what's the difference between being joy. Well, I'm happy because I got a present. I'm joy, joyous because, um, I know that my parents love me. And again, easier said than done. I think it's very useful to, to help our children sort of in the moment kind of label uh, the emotions that they have and that they're experiencing so that when bad things in particular happen, we can help them understand um, being afraid, being angry, being mad. You know, why is it they were upset? Why are they um, in this place of, feeling like the world has been turned upside down. And I think, you know, when it comes to emotion, there's definitely this kind of like, um, well, well, our brains, our, our brains operate on two different um, and, and I'm not smart enough to totally understand this. So forgive me at my kind of, a uh, feeble attempt at this of our brains respond to chemical responses and our brains respond to um, the the electrical, the, the synapses of our, you know, the electrons and all that stuff in, in our brain. And so um, emotions very much have this chemical side to them. And when we are, Afraid when we are angry, that chemical side gets way out of balance. Um, when we're disappointed with the way the world has treated us, just just our expectations of what's supposed to happen, and it's not met with that. Our chemical side goes way up, and it can take us twenty four or forty eight hours for those chemicals to sort of come back to an appropriate level where the electrons uh, firing, and we deal with facts and what we really know um, allow us to operate uh, properly. And again, there's all kinds of just, you know, developmental stages in terms of having an infant to a teenager, to a young adult, but helping them kind of just navigate this idea of when our emotions are high and those chemicals are high, we need to sort of kind of acknowledge that we're at that place and it's okay to be there. But the reality is, is tomorrow or the day after we're going to come back down and we're going to be at a much more uh, rational place. And even as I say that, I don't want to even convey that one is better than the other uh, because God clearly created us to experience emotion. He, he, Designed us to create uh, to to experience anger and fear and those sort of things because they play a very important part um, in our lives. And I don't want to completely take all this stuff to this like sterile place of well, you need to understand your emotions so that you can properly function as an adult. Um, now, help your child understand why it is they're feeling what they're feeling be able to label the emotions that they have and um, process that maybe even over more than just one day. I would encourage parents when it comes to difficult topics to talk with their kids.
1: Yeah. The worst thing you can do is just ignore it. Absolutely.
0: Because I truly believe having a bad conversation is better than having no conversation. And the other thing I would say is, As a parent, you are going to blow it and give yourself permission to blow it. You are going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time, and it's going to freak your kid out. It's going to totally destroy the conversation. It's totally going to blow up in your face. (laughs) But the reality is, is when it comes to your kids and the fact that you're, they're your child and you're their parent, it's not about a singular conversation. It's about multiple mm. conversations. It's about multiple experiences over a lifetime. And so the 10% of the time, the 20% of the time that you blow it with them, you're still going to have 90 to 80% of the time where you kind of get it right. You, you, you have that context of, um, and it's that consistency that really matters
1: because I mean, in, in the screwing up and then in the, the, uh, asking for forgiveness and explaining, you know, why you react, you're teaching your kid that no one's perfect. You're teaching them how to forgive. You're showing them humility in, in that. But then in, in the yeah, the 80 to 90%, you're showing them the consistency that you do care and you want to be there for them and provide for them and teach them and, uh, do everything you can to make sure that when they're an adult, they are ready to go out into the world. And like, I know for me, uh, you know, my parents certainly not perfect, certainly, you know, uh, had their issues. Um, but they were always present. Even in the screw ups, even in the arguing, even in the losing their tempers at me in particular, I always knew that they were going to be there for me. And it's because despite their flaws, despite their screw ups, they were, they were consistently there for me. In the good times and the bad, they were there to congratulate me. And they were there to chat my butt when I did something really stupid that I knew it wasn't supposed to do. But the fact that they were always and continue to be there when I need them to be, even as like you know <laughs> they're grandparents now, but every once in a while, I really just need to vent or get counsel, and they're the first ones I call. And it's it's not because they're perfect; it's because they were consistent as best as they could be as a pillar in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and they parented differently than my wife's parents parented her. Yeah. But who are the first people she calls her parents? Because they were consistently present with her. And just because they did it differently than my parents, not better or worse, but they made multiple children that know what it's like to have parents that give a crap. And I can't think of a better thing you can give your kid than when they're in their thirties knowing, you know what mom and dad love me still and are still there if I need them because they've been consistent throughout my life in making sure that in good times and especially in bad times, I know that they are going to be there for me when I need. And that's, I mean, it's a huge comfort because I know that there's a lot of people that don't have that. And that breaks my heart. Like you don't really know how good you've got it and how blessed (laughs) you are until you get out into the world and realize how messed up it is and how many millions and millions and millions of people have it infinitely worse than you ever did. Like, you know, the whole hashtag first world problems thing, like, yeah, (laughs) it's a stupid hashtag, but in reality, like I've lived a very, very, very charmed life. I'm a white guy in America that grew up in an upper middle-class family. Like what, what bad things could I really have experienced in the global scheme of things? Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm thinking about all of this, you know, and obviously like as, as a first time parent, you see the way your parents did things and you want to do certain things the same way. And, tweak other things because gosh, I know better than they do. (laughs) That remains to be seen. But you know, as someone who is raising a daughter, very hands-on, I'm home with her three days a week during the day on the weekends. Like I'm very much a mostly stay at home dad right now. Um, I'm thinking about these things all the time, even though she's not old enough for a lot of it to be practical, I'm still having these thoughts because, like, I just want to do it right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want my kid to go to a counselor and, like, oh, daddy, you know, and just. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm, oh, yeah. I want to look at my children when they're adults and say, you know what? It wasn't perfect, but Meredith and I did our best to make sure that these kids are going to contribute to society and love people and be respectful and fight injustice and you know, all the, the things you want your kids to do, but it's just, man, there's just so much coming that I have no <laughs> clue about. Yeah. Like I'm you, you, in, mean, I was thinking about it last night with Meredith, like, man, we don't even know how many kids we're going to have. Like there's a strong p- potential that, I'm going to meet, I'm going to make more children in the future. And that's crazy to think about now that you have one, like, <laughs> you know, they occupy an incredible amount of your brain and energy and thought process. It's like, how am I gonna, How do you feel this way about more than one person? Oh yeah. So that, that's going to be a whole nother thing. And maybe <laughs> we'll, you know, we'll get to that topic once I will have baby number two. Um But yeah, it's just, it's so easy to get caught up with one baby in the day to day of that. And then realize like, man, I like, I have no idea what's coming. If I have two, three, four kids, I mean, even just the one, like there is so much ahead of me that I have no idea is coming. And that's exciting and terrifying, <laughs> uh, especially when you think about the bad stuff that could happen. So uh-huh. anyways, I don't really know where I was going with that. I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent, but it just, Trying trying to communicate the the like feeling of looking over the cliff into the abyss of <laughs> what could happen to your children, good or bad. That's uh yeah. that's a perspective you don't appreciate until you have a kid.
0: Yes, absolutely. Because then it becomes real. Yes as.
1: So anyways. Uh anything else you wanna
0: discuss before we part ways? So I've ha- I had a couple of thoughts as you were talking. Um, one, I got to hang out with Kennedy fairly recently. Cam's daughter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, Olivia was supposed to babysit, but Dave wound up <laughs> because of a little scheduling snafu.
0: But it was it was fun. I enjoyed it, and she is absolutely. Um, I I enjoyed watching how observant she was okay so it's not just me
1: the oh, kid is so she catches everything she catches
0: eye. totally agree okay. with well, you on because, that because so and like every like, parent
1: thinks their kid is just like
0: the smartest whatever no no no, no. Okay. she is well, i'm glad totally, to hear she picks up on so she's much she's totally like just watching and taking it all in and, she's
1: yeah super curious
0: yes okay yeah. it's not, not just me just, then. not just curious but i think she's like really kind of processing what she sees so she's a smarty pants i'm in i'm in trouble yeah (laughs) you are in trouble so i really enjoyed uh having that opportunity to um hang out with kennedy and watch her kind of observe the world and take it all in and uh we had fun so um you're gonna blow it as a parent yep i guarantee it you're you're (laughs) gonna blow it but it's, I would say if you're going to err on anything, it's better to talk about it than to not talk about it. Um, because there's just so many pieces with that of, um, majority of the time you're going to get it right. And when you don't get it right, that's really an opportunity to kind of show your kid that it's okay to not get it right. Um, the second thing is, is, uh, in that, I think it's okay to be truthful with your kids. Um, I understand the desire to protect them, to allow them to be children. Um, And that's why I say, ask them what they know and how does that make them feel? Because that's going to give them the context for how you process what they're dealing with. Um, But it's again, It's better to talk about it than not talk about it. And it's also better to be truthful than to, to, to not be truthful. And so when your child says it scares me that somebody went into a school and shot people with a gun, I think it's okay for you to say, yeah, that scares me too. You don't have to be brave. You don't have to put forth this kind of like persona that everything is okay and that you're not afraid of anything because that helps your child process where they're at. Um, and then finally, I, I really do. I think it's there. It is important to help your child identify, um, how they're, they are feeling. And I know we talk about happy and sad, but I think we need to talk about angry. We need to talk about mad. I think we need to talk about being disappointed. Uh, I think it, it, it need, you know, what does it mean to be guilty? What does it mean to, or to feel guilty? What does it mean uh, to feel um, unworthy? What does it, you know, what just, and again, it's it's a lifelong process, but I would just really encourage you to help you help your children identify um, feelings, particularly when you see those moments of um, my child is experiencing something new. You know, what does it mean to feel proud about accomplishment? What is it, you know, just help them really kind of um label the emotions that they're experiencing because I I, I really do think that'll help um as they become adults and having seen many, many, many parents in many, many different contexts, if you're there and you're active in your kids' life, um, you're not going to screw them up. You're really not. It, it, it's the parents that aren't present and aren't involved in their kids' lives that do the damage. And even in that, I think there's a huge opportunity for forgiveness and redemption. Uh, if you're willing to take that risk and step out into that. So um, it's a matter of time before we deal with the next tragedy the next negative thing in our lives in our world in our country and i just um personally would encourage you to be an active participant in your child's life and helping to help helping them to process what that is and how they're feeling and what they're seeing and what they're hearing don't let it be their friends don't let it be the tv yeah
1: agreed well i believe that brings us to a uh an abrupt end yeah it's a pleasure good to get back behind the old microphone it and is. <laughs> discuss things uh listeners you the very person listening to this podcast right now thanks so much for your time and your uh willingness to um listen to the show and um if you want to get in touch which we would very much appreciate you can uh get dave on twitter at david j hoag i'm at cam brennan you can email us hello at supermegacorp.net um, if you want to respond to this topic in particular, to share your story, to share your thoughts on it, or any of the episodes that we've, dis- uh, we've had previously. Um, we want to know your thoughts, and we want to share them with um, the rest of the community. Also, to those that support us on Patreon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. We really, really do appreciate it that some, that some people who listen have decided, you know what? I like what they do so much. I want to pay them for it. That's crazy. And we really appreciate it. Uh, If you want to know what uh, Patreon is and what that's all about, you can go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Super Megacorp and see what's going on over there. And uh, also, this is a show on Super Megacorp. If you want to check out any of the other shows we have going, please do. Go to supermegacorp.net and click on podcasts and you'll see all the shows plus our very brand new show, called Sportsball, mm. where we welcome a new host to the corporation. Um, you can check it all out there. And again, we really do appreciate your time and your attention. Thank you so much. And we'll be back next time. Bye. Bye.